Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua. We're in a series of messages of Operation Victory. We're coming to a story in the book of Joshua reminding us that there are certain things that will keep you from that victory. And we certainly want to be aware of that. You remember the story that we talked about a couple weeks ago of where Joshua and the children of Israel, of where they encompass around the city of Jericho. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful victory God had given to them after seven days and seven trips around that particular wall that they shouted and blew the horn and the Bible says that the walls came tumbling down. You can imagine the spirit of victory that came into the lives of those Israelites. Without firing a shot, without pulling a sword, that God gave them tremendous victory. But now, we come to another chapter. Same group of people. They... Um, are encountered with another obstacle, another place. It's uh, not as large as Jericho. In fact, it's rather a small place. It's a, it's a little place called Ai. And it's a little village. It's nothing as uh, you have to uh, worry about, because after all, if you can conquer the Jerichos, you certainly can conquer the Ai's. But I don't know about you, it seems like the Ai's give me more trouble than the Jerichos do sometimes. There we are, finding ourselves seeing the similarity of God wanting us to go from victory to victory to victory. And yet, if only they had listened to the Lord, they would have experienced that victory. You know, as a pastor, uh, quite often I have individuals that will come to me and uh, they're under deep conviction of sin. Possibly sins that no one else knows anything about. And they began to confess those sins, not to me, of course, but to the Lord. But they uh, seek my counsel, seek my guidance. Reminds me of a story. These four pastors, they uh, would meet every Monday morning. And uh, they would go to Hardy's for a Hardy biscuit. And they would sit around and they would talk about their services of what took place on Sunday. One guy spoke up and he says, you know, he said, I am just like, I guess, the rest of you guys. You have people that come to you that confesses their sins. He says, but you know, we really don't have a pastor. We really don't have anybody that we can counsel with and confess our sins and he says, I think it'd be a good idea that us four just began to confess some sins that no one knows anything about. Well, one guy spoke up and he said, uh, well, he said, I guess I have to confess. He said, uh, I'd, I lose my temper once in a while. And when I lose my temper, 
I say some words that I really shouldn't say. And uh, I have to confess that. Another guy spoke up, and he said, well, nobody knows this. He said, but uh, I love to smoke a cigar every now and then. And so I smoke a cigar. Another guy spoke up and he says, well, I've got a confession. He said, my confession is, is that I love to play golf. And he said, I have to confess, one Sunday, I uh, called the church and told them I was sick. And really, I went and played golf. Well, the other guy, the fourth guy, didn't say a word. And they asked him and they said, uh, what's some sins that you want to confess? Oh, I'd rather not say. Oh, no, come on, you can confess them to us. What, what are some sins? He says, well, my sin is gossip, and I can't wait to get away from here and tell everybody about what y'all just got through saying. If only, if only there was a man by the name of Achan, when he had committed the sin that he did, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments, confessed his sins of how this story would be entirely different than what there, that we, as we read it today. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me? Joshua chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading verses 1 through 6. Now, we're going to look at the whole entire chapter of uh, chapter 7. So I encourage you to leave your Bibles open and encourage you to take notes concerning the, the message that is brought before you today. Listen to what the Bible says. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabadi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up, and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up, And attack Ai. Do not worry. All the people there. For the people of Ai are a few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people. But they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. And there before the hearts of the people melted, became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Well, we're going to stop there, but we're going to look further later on. Father... We're so grateful for your word. And Lord, as it is a word of promise, it is also a word of warning. We just pray that today 
that we might heed to that warning that you have shared with us through this story happened thousands of years ago. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will give us insight, understanding, and Lord, that he might convict us through the Holy Spirit and challenge us that we will confess our sins openly and before the Lord. Oh, Father, I pray there will be no hidden sin within the camp. We pray, Father, for the Holy Spirit that you may anoint the preaching of your word. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's a passage of Scripture that I have not read that we need to go back and read. Chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Jesus, I mean, God said this to Joshua and his people before they ever began their journey to Ai. In fact, it was right on the heels of winning the victory there at Jericho. Listen to what the Bible says in chapter 6, verse 18. It says, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord that they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. God had told the children of Israel that after they had experienced the tremendous victory there at Jericho, that as it was a custom of that day, to take the bounty, to take the goods of that enemy and to retrieve it. But God says, now I want you to understand, that is of God's. And I want you to bring that bounty and bring it to the treasury of the Lord. And he said, now, if you don't, and someone takes this, you become accursed. And the curse of God will be upon you. Well, that sets the story of this tremendous, tremendous story of Achan and Ai. I want you to imagine for a few moments. One moonlit night, after the victory of Jericho, there they were encamped there along outside the walls of those walls that had come tumbling down. And there, there in the middle of that night, there was a man by the name of Achan. And Achan woke up and possibly began to allow his mind to begin to wonder. And he began to allow his heart to fester with being a sin of covetousness. And he begins to think, Oh, I believe I'll get up in the middle of the night. 
And I believe I will make and journey my way back into the city. And so you can see him as he gets, comes up out of the tent. He probably looks to the right, he looks to the left, and there everybody's asleep. But oh, here he comes. He makes his journey over the rubble of those walls. And there, as he is searching and looking and just really being curious of what he might would find, he happened to see something rather shiny. He looks down and he could not believe his eyes. There's 200 shekels of silver. Oh, he begins to collect those shekels. And begins to put it in a pouch. It goes a little bit further and he happens to see something looks like a wedge of cheese. And he looks a little bit carefully. And there is a wedge of gold. Something he had never seen before. Oh, can you imagine what I can do with this wedge of gold? So he picks up that wedge. And he begins to put it also in his pocket, in his pouch. He goes a little bit further, and there he happens to see, under some rubble, there's a piece of cloth that is sticking out. And so he begins to push away, push away all the rubble and the dirt and the stones, and there comes out this beautiful garment, royalty. Babylonian garment. Oh, what a tremendous souvenir that would be to be able to share with my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren of this great victory and to show them of that victory that here's this beautiful garment of Babylon. So he gathers all of this stuff up and he makes his way back And as he makes his way back, as he enters into the camp, he begins to look to the left and he looks to the right because he does not want anybody to know where he's been. There he goes back into his tent. He digs a hole, possibly under his cot. And there he begins to put all that bounty there underneath that cot. And he covers it up with dirt. And then he climbs back into the bed, the cot. And he takes a big sigh of relief and thought, Wow, I've got away with it. Joshua doesn't know anything about it. No one knows anything about it. I've gotten away and oh, look what I have got. That was the setting of the story. And then the Bible tells us, as you began to study chapter 7, that they then went to the next little village called Ai. And there they began to look. And there they began to realize that they had to go to battle once again. Why? Joshua must have thought, as well as with all the other people must have thought, that if we can destroy Jericho, why? we certainly won't have a problem with AI. They've sent spies out, and the spies has come back and says, we don't need to send all of our people. Oh, probably about two or 3,000 men. That's all we need. 
But unfortunately, the story tells us that they go down in that little village and AI turns upon them and there you see the Israelites coming back with their tail between their legs and there they have come to an utter defeat. In fact, 36 men died. They could not believe it. Joshua, Joshua finds himself on his knees and he's crying out to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand it. I do not understand. You have given us Jericho, but you would not give us Ai? That little village? Oh, what a terrible testimony to the children of God. What a story. Well, let's go back and let's begin to investigate for a few moments. And let's begin to see what caused this utterly defeat. You go back to chapter I mean chapter 7 and you begin to notice in verse 6 and following. Listen to what the Bible says. It says then Joshua tore his clothes fell to the earth of his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Boy, I tell you what, Joshua's got a different tone in his voice now, doesn't he? Why, it would have been better that we had never even crossed over Jordan. We should have just stayed there. Listen to what he says in verse 8. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it. And surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Oh, then listen to what verse 10 says. The Bible says in verse 10, So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! I can almost imagine. Get up! Quit your whining. Quit your belly aching. We have a problem here. And listen to what he says. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things. Remember what we said back in chapter 6, verse 18 and 19? They have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff. So immediately, God begins to bring to Joshua's attention that they had sinned. Now, what caused this sin? Why in the world, when you have just won 
that great battle of Jericho and you've heard the voice of the Lord, why would you go against the Lord? Well, I think there's several reasons. First of all, I think because of the sin of carelessness. The sin of carelessness. In other words, Joshua and the children of Israel, I think, became very, very careless. Have you not noticed, maybe possibly in your own life, that you win a victory in your life and you're on a mountaintop experience of how God had given you a great victory, that you all of a sudden you become careless? And you become careless in the way that you act and think. And you, the way that you look at Satan. And the way that you address the warfare of Satan in your life. You don't take it as serious as you once did before. Before the children of Israel were so serious when they had encamped around those walls of Jericho. But now with AI, they didn't take it very serious. They were very careless. And I think it's because of several reasons. I believe because there was a sin of pride. I mean, after all, look what I've done. I think that that's exactly what the children of Israel must have thought. We, they were probably patting each other on the back. Why, listen, if we can defeat Jericho, we can defeat anybody on the face of the earth. And you can see their spiritual pride rising greater and greater and higher and higher. Oh, they had forgotten that really Jericho was not the victory that they had won, but it was the victory that God had given them. And my friend, that's exactly what happens a lot of times with us, that we sometimes get spiritually prideful. I mean, I can almost hear some people say now about certain things, well, you'll never see me doing something like that. Well, you'll never catch my children acting like that. And yet, all that is has become nothing but spiritual pride simply because of the victories you've had in your past and you're not looking in front of you of the little bitty AIs. But I think that the child of pride is presumption. They just presume that they were going to always win the battles. That they didn't really have to get up early in the morning. They didn't have to take all the men down to AI. They didn't have to get all that upset and worrisome about that battle in AI. And so they just presumed that they were going to be very victorious no matter what the situation would be. Very presumptuous. And my friend, that's exactly what happens a lot of times when you begin to fight the battles of Satan in your life, in your own strength. You just assume that you're always going to win the victory. My friend, I want you to understand, as I said earlier, it's those little AIs that constantly defeats us that we find 
that utter defeat and not the Jerichos. But I also believe that there was another sin, a sin of prayerlessness. Now, did you notice that beforehand they had prayed earnestly before they went before Jericho? But they did not pray before they went to Ai. It's a sin of prayerlessness. Only time Joshua prayed was after the defeat. Then he prayed to the Lord and the Lord showed him the problem. See, that's what happens with the sin of pride, the sin of presumption, is that we don't feel like we need to pray like we need to, like we used to pray. That we, we've got things under control. And therefore, out of pride, we feel like that we don't need to pray. Have you ever noticed that in our prayer life, that unless we have brought before the Jerichos in life, that we don't find ourselves near as prayerful as we are at that particular time? So true. So true. So, I want you to see it was a sin of carelessness. But also, as you go back and look in chapter 7, verse 19 and 20, I believe it was the sin of covetousness. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 19 of that chapter. The Bible says, Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered and Joshua said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. And you began to read of where he had taken those 200 pieces of silver and began to take that wedge of gold and that Babylonian garment and you began to see where that sin of covetousness. I'm afraid that's one of the greatest sins in, the, in America today. The Bible says, Thy shall not covet. There have been a many a man that have lost his home simply because he's coveted another man's wife. And oh, how he thought he could get away with it. He thought he could have something that God said that you're not to take. And yet we find our world today in that type of atmosphere. In fact, there's another word that I like to use instead of the word covet. It's the word worldliness. Have you, have you noticed of how the world had began to uh, invade in the church today? That's exactly what has happened there at, with Achan. That the world had invaded in his heart and his life. He did not have the love of the Father like he should have. For if he had loved God the way that he should have, my friend, he would have known what he was doing was wrong and he would have never done it. I'm reminded of what the scripture teaches us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so therefore, very simple, you see Achan 
the cause. It was a sin. A sin of covetousness. It was a sin of carelessness. But oh, let's just go a step further for a moment. What about this curse? What did God mean that, it, that these would be accursed things? What did he mean that you'll take something that you would become a curse? Listen to what the Bible says in verse 8 and 9. The Bible says in verse 8 and 9, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? You know what this sin did? You know the reason why God says not to take these cursed things? He said, because number one, you, you will dishonor your God. You will dishonor your God. Friend, I want you to understand today, nothing can be any more blemishing to the name of God than for a man of God going out and living in sin. And living in sin brings a reproach against the name of the God that he serves. I wonder how many times when a pastor, a deacon, a man that is, has a family, that has fallen into immorality, of how that had blemished the name of the God that we serve. That if this is the God that you serve, I don't want to serve the God because you're not serving Him neither. As someone said one time before, if you want me to know your Redeemer, you need to look a little bit more redeemed. And that is so true. But it not only dishonored God, but it also brought defeat to the brethren. The Bible says in verse 12, they were all defeated. They were sin in the camp. And the Bible reminds us that when we fail, not only does it bring reproach against God, it brings reproach against yourself, but it brings reproach against others. How many times, how many times churches had been blemished because of the sin of their pastor? How many times churches have been blemished their testimony. They've been hurt. They've been ridiculed. And they have been grieved to the core because of a sin that has been found out that was within that congregation. So it brought sin. It brought reproach against the brethren. Dishonored God. But it also disgraced their brethren. I mean, it disgraced their, their parents. The Bible says that their whole family was destroyed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how Achan's mom and dad must have felt? Can you imagine? I think about young people today. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of young people think, but what I do really doesn't don't, it's none of nobody's business. Friend, it is your business. It is the business of your parents and it's the business of the church. And when you sin, you bring disgrace against 
those parents. I believe with all my heart, many kids will be held responsible for those gray hairs and those wrinkled eyes on the faces of a lot of parents, of how they had worried them and how they have brought shame and dishonor upon them. But the Bible says it's all even brought death to their family. Look what the Bible says in verse 24 and verse 25. The Bible says in verse 24, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep. Listen to this. His tent. And all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. Now listen to this, if they did not think that sin was serious. So all Israel stoned him with stones. And they burned them talking about their family, all their possessions. And the Bible says, and Joshua said, why they have troubled us and the Lord will trouble you. And so all Israel stoned him with the stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones. Still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. My friend, do you believe in the wrath of God? If not, you need to read this passage of scripture here today. It's the almighty wrath of God. That's how much he views sin. That's exactly what he thinks of sin. And there you begin to see that the whole family, no doubt possibly the whole family was corrupted. I I don't believe that Achan could have brought those those, uh, elements back into the tent without his wife knowing, without his children knowing, without his parents knowing. And they just accepted it. Sort of reminds me one time. Heard about this guy was going out witnessing and he was knocking on doors. And he came up to this man who had a little child. And he began to share with him the gospel. And as he was sharing the gospel with him and was telling him of the importance of knowing Christ and the importance of of recognizing the sinfulness of man, the little boy crawled up into the lap of that daddy and he said, Daddy, we don't want to be no old Christian, do we? Oh my, I wonder how many a dad today How many a mom today have influenced their children go by the way of the world, by their lifestyle? We don't want to be one of those old Christians, do we? That came by because he had watched his dad 
and listen to him. Well, let's go on. Let's look at, last of all, the consequence of this sin. The Bible reminds us there was great, great consequences. We've already touched on that. But we talked about the revelation of that sin. You go back into verse 18, and you began to see of how Joshua literally begged Achan to confess. And the Bible reminds us that he did confess, but it was a confession that after he had already been found out. Have you found find that out today? There's a lot of people today are willing to confess, but it's only after they have been found out. Not before they've been found out. My friend, I want to remind you, you will be revealed. There's secret sin in your life today. You think that the pastor doesn't know anything about it? You think that the church doesn't know anything about it? You think that your wife doesn't know anything about it? You think your children doesn't know anything about it? One day, my friend, the Bible says you will be found out. The Bible says be sure your sins will find you out. And I believe that word is as fresh today as it was the day that it was penned upon the pages of this book. Be sure. Your sins will find you out. But I want you to notice this process of systematic elimination, the finger of accusation of the Holy Spirit pointed directly to Achan. Thou art the man. Almost reminds me of another story of David, does it not? When the prophet went before David and gave him the the parable... And David, in rage, says, that man shall pay. And there, that prophet pointed his finger in the face of David and says, thou art the man. You will be found out. You may get by today. But my friend, those skeletons in your closets will come out one day. I remember reading in a newspaper one time, and in this country newspaper, they had a motto, if you don't want it printed, don't let it happen. That's a good point. If you don't want it printed, don't let it happen. My friend, we need to guard ourselves from the accursed things. You know what that reminds me of? It hit me just a few moments ago. Turn your Bibles over to the book of Malachi. I want you to notice what chapter 3. We, we take this tithing thing rather lightly sometimes. But the Bible says in chapter 3 almost reminds me of the same wording that is found in Joshua. Look what the Bible says in chapter 3 verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Where was the bounty supposed to go? It was supposed to go into the treasury of the Lord. It was supposed to go into the storehouse. We think that we can take accursed things, which is God's money, and use it for our own desires and think we can get by with it. 
Some people wonder why they're having the problems they're being faced with today. I'll tell you the reason why. They're in your household. There's sin in the camp. And that sin is simply because you've taken the things of God and you've used it for your own worldly pleasures and selfish desires. Well, let's go back to the chapter Let's go back to verse 19 just for a moment. Notice the recognition of the sin. Not only will God cause it to be revealed, but he will say, you will have to admit it. Did you know everybody's going to confess their sins one of these days? Every single person, every politician that has lied, my friend, they're going to have to stand one day and confess that they have lied. There is such a day called the judgment day when God is going to reveal all sin and by your own lips of admission, you will confess. But you know what? I think about that retribution of that secret sin. Don't get the idea, just because I'm a Christian, I can get by with my sins. My friend, I want you to understand, because you're a Christian, you're not going to get by with your sins. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaken it shall have Mercy. Now, I want to put a little twist on the story here. What if, what if Achan had come back to the, to the uh, tent that night and he begins to lay down back in his cot and there that bounty underneath his, uh, uh, his bed And God, the Holy Spirit, began to prick his heart with such conviction that he can't sleep. And he gets up out of the bed. And he makes his way to the tent of Joshua. Joshua. Joshua! Joshua, wake up! I've got to talk to you for a moment. What if Achan had said to Joshua as he had brought his bounty and laid it at the feet of Joshua, Joshua, I've sinned. I've done something very foolish. I want you and God and all the children of Israel to forgive me. What if he had done that? Do you think Joshua would have still taken him out and his children and his wife and his mom and dad and all of his belongings and still stoned him? I don't think so. I believe the mercy of God would have been extended to Achan. And that he through confession, 
began to receive forgiveness and cleansing. Now, the Bible reminds us that God gives us grace and mercy. You go back to that passage of Scripture there in Proverbs once again. And let me read it to you once again. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh, it shall have mercy. If you've thought about grace, God gives us something that we don't deserve. And that is forgiveness. In spite of us, in spite of the hidden sin, in spite of my worldly ways, I've come to the Lord and I've asked the Lord to forgive me. And He's given me mercy and He's given me grace. By mercy, He doesn't give us what we deserve. By grace, He gives us what we don't deserve. And my friend, that's exactly what God wants to do in the life of our congregation. My friend, sin is serious. And it's been proven here today. I just wonder, out of the number of people that are here today, I wonder how many people might be harboring a hidden sin, a sin that no one else knows anything about. Well, my friend, one day, unless you confess it, Confess it to the Lord and turn from the Lord and ask for His forgiveness and ask for His cleansing. You will be revealed. David said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me inside and out. For I have sinned against you and you only. So, Lord, wants to work in your life as he did in the life of David. Certainly, you do not want the repercussions that Achan experienced. Lord Jesus, your word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts... It pierces. It reminds us of the wretchedness of our heart. And oh, how the Holy Spirit shines that searchlight within our soul. And how He shines upon those hidden sins that we think nobody else knows anything about. Our parents don't know anything about it. My maid doesn't know anything about it. My pastor doesn't know anything about it. I am okay. And yet it seems like never fails as the Bible teaches that those things become revealed. Oh, how embarrassing. How shameful. Oh, the heartache and the trouble that Achan must have experienced. Cannot imagine 
all that he went through simply because of the sins that he committed, thinking he's going to get by with it. May the Spirit of God speak and work and uncover and convict in Jesus' name.